The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. PFTOT Monday edition. Some of the things we didn't get to during PFT Live are things we would like to talk about a little bit more. And we 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 like to talk. Hi. Hi, Chris. Talk Hello, now. Michael. How are you? I am good. I am fine. I hope you are fine as well. I am fine Off as well. Very formal and polite today after I kicked your ass in the PFT Live draft of the most memorable careers of any former NFL player, regardless of how long they did or didn't play in the NFL. See, you didn't read the, the rules on the inside of the box. I was always very big. When it's time to play a board game, read the rules on the inside of the box. How do I make those rules work to my advantage? Yeah, no, you were against the spirit of the rules. It was most memorable. I understand, okay, we can go down O.J. Simpson. Nobody's talked about O.J. Simpson in 10 years. Nobody cares anymore, okay? I know it was big for one year. Get that. And then you went with, like, yeah, the, the Rocky thing, Carl Weathers. It was in lieu of Peyton Manning, somebody who had a successful NFL career. Not a guy that I go, oh, that was an actor. Oh, he that played in the NFL? The I didn't know that. I didn't know he played in the NFL. So memorable was- post playing career right. you got to remember the guy had played though if I don't remember he played then it's not so memorable post-career because I don't remember he played so then therefore there's nothing about the memorable post either so you know I thought I thought about John Matuzak you know why right why he was sloth in the Goonies oh that was him I don't think I ever knew yeah. that yeah, you do now. See, hey, if you research, you guys. if you do research before the draft, you learn all sorts of things, like Carl Weathers played in the NFL, which I did know. Baby I just didn't know Ruth. how long he had played. Right. Thank you. All, all right. right. Let's get this <laughs> right. on. Let's go. Let's get this going. Uh, the Rams have an issue at running back, although they try to act like they don't. Todd Gurley, arthritic condition in his knee issues late last season missed a couple of regular season games was not the same guy that we were used to seeing when he got to the postseason Daryl Henderson drafted by the Rams this week it has been said by GM Les Snead that Daryl Henderson gives the Rams a Camara element and Henderson himself says I thought it was the best system I could get in if you go back and watch my college film and watch the Rams film it's the same it's a perfect fit oh. You know, this isn't just a change of pace guy. This may be exactly the guy that that Sean McVay is looking for as they recognize that Todd Gurley's best days are behind him. No, this guy's got special uh, attributes as far as a running back's concerned. He was he was on my list as one of the five best running backs in the draft. I can't remember exactly where I had him. I think I had him at number three, but he does fit this system, Mike. I mean, he does it all. He's kind of that dual threat running back. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, you could say that. Maybe Devontae Freeman from Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons. He's that type of player, but a home run hitter. You know, a home run hitter in the fact that, uh, yes, if they toss the ball to him or he finds a seam between the tackles he can take it 70 yards to the house and then like a girly in the screen game if he catches a short pass and has some blocking man he's electric in space he was the arguably the best running back in the draft in space that's how special he was uh and I I I get it and I think they will use him and he will be a big part of this offense right away in year one 
Daryl Henderson ran the 40 in 4.49 seconds at the scouting combine. Todd Gurley didn't because he was coming off of that torn ACL. But yeah. look, that it's that knee with the ACL, and it's it's whatever it is, cartilage is gone, something. Whether he needs microfracture surgery, whatever right. it is, right. it's clearly not good. When you go out and you play in a game and you don't get your knee hit and your knee is swollen the next day, that's an issue, and I think exactly. the drafting of Daryl Henderson is the, the is the tangible acknowledgement by the Rams that they've got an issue with Todd Gurley. And look, they they good for Gurley to get his contract last year because if he hadn't gotten it last year, uh, he surely doesn't get that package now. No, no, I don't think so either. I mean, there's definitely concern, like you said, whenever you're 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 having to manage a knee injury and there was no contact on the knee specifically on a weekly basis. That is a, a time for concern, especially at running back, where as we know, planting that leg into a ground, exploding, driving off of it, are paramount to being a, a successful running back in the NFL. All right, let's move on to the Denver Broncos. They have been talking to cornerback Chris Harris about a long-term deal. He isn't happy with the contract he signed. He was undrafted. He signed a below-market deal several years ago. He's entering the last year of his contract due to make $8.8 million. Nikki Jabvala of The Athletic suggests that there could be a short-term deal done between the Broncos and Harris, which would just be this year. Basically a raise, free money, $8.8 million, could bump to $15 million, and he could be a free agent next year. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing that John Elway would normally do. He's been very, very careful with the franchise's money when it comes to negotiating contracts. But this may be a way to, to kind of recognize, because like, if you have a locker room issue here, and maybe this is where Elway's playing career can come into play come into be, uh, to right. play and be a benefit like you've got a guy who's done everything he's checked every box he's shown up every game he plays well he's over exactly. and he's kind of been taken advantage of maybe you need to do that to ensure that you don't have an issue inside that locker I, I think that's a very fair point Mike and I think John Elway probably has a little bit of a yeah a gauge on that a little bit to feel you know that that's real uh, I mean yeah Chris Harris has been one of the the star players of the franchise throughout the you know his career in Denver he's phenomenal arguably arguably been the the best nickel corner in all of football for a number of years. I don't think he's that at, at this point anymore. But one, maybe the state of the locker room goes into this conversation because you're right. This is rare for John Elway to do something like this. Two, it's a big year for John Elway and the Denver Broncos, and he probably realizes that too. And he probably just wants to go, okay, listen, my secondary has enough question marks there as is, and I got a few other question marks on my roster to begin with. I don't need to open up another can of worms by trading away a Chris Harris Jr. doing something like that. So yeah, he's going to give a guy who deserves a little spicer upper, for lack of a better phrase, in their contract. A lot like Julio Jones last year. Uh, and this makes sense. And I think it makes sense actually really for, for Denver on a football standpoint too, because this is a big year for Chris Harris Jr. He's you know, no longer one of the five best corners in football. He's right on that fringe of one of the 10 best, maybe. If not even that, it's very close. Uh, and I don't think John Elway wants to be tied up to anything long-term with big amounts of money with, with where Chris Harris Jr. is at right now in his career. But odd to give him a bump for this year and not at least have the option on what to do with him in 2020, even if it's at 15 million, you can change your mind if he doesn't live up to that. But to to push him into free agency, although you know, look, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes a guy has to become a free agent, has to hit that 48-hour window of seeing what else is out there to realize the grass isn't greener and yes. I'm better off staying put. 
Yeah, no, I, I, exactly right. And I do think that that would be one of those things where if Chris Harris Jr. was released out into free agency, uh, I don't think the market would be clamoring him as much as maybe the media and fans think it would be. You know, he's been a household name for a number amount of, a number of years now. But, you know, yeah, when you're getting up there into year nine of your career, year eight of your career at the corner position – Gosh, you know, you're, you're getting down there. It's your last leg. You start to lose explosion and top-end speed at that point of your career. So not to say you can't be a good football player. Just saying I don't know if I would, you know, donate or, or contribute big-time funds to a guy at that position this far along in the NFL. He was undrafted in Denver. Shane Ray was a Broncos first-round draft pick. The idea was that he would become the bookend to Vaughn Miller after DeMarcus Ware, but it never quite happened. He did have eight sacks in his second season, yeah. but he fell off. There were injury issues. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He became a free agent. He's now a member of the Baltimore Ravens. And when you throw that in with the Pernell McPhee signing last week by the Ravens, it underscores how they play this game when it comes to compensatory draft picks. They wait until the formula gets turned off because they uh, more than any other team and even more so than the Patriots understand how that formula works they understand restraint during free agency because they want to wait to acquire talented players after that formula ends so it doesn't affect their compensatory draft pick haul and they they get a couple of guys that can help that they need the help defensively they had a lot of talent walk out the door Ray has shown he has ability. McPhee comes back to the Ravens, and neither guy undermines their collection of compensatory draft picks next year. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's smart football with what they're doing as far as you know protecting com- the compensatory picks. Smart football and just two guys that fit what they the mantra of the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, you know, more edge, tough, physical guys to rush after the passer uh, and do you know different things on defense with. Yeah. You know, they lost to Darius Smith in free agency. Terrell Suggs left and went to Arizona. You know, they do have a guy like Matthew Judon, who's extremely talented. He was a starter there last year. They got guys like Tyus Bowser, who they drafted in the second round out of Houston two years ago, where it's time for him to show up and be a bigger part of the defense. So they're probably expecting more out of him. You know, Tim Williams, the pass rusher out of Alabama that people had such high hopes for, he's still on the roster. He gets in. So I would think he gets more playing time and a part of the rotation but a guy like Shane Ray yeah why not take a shot on him he's got talent and maybe if you get him in the right system and he gets healthy he can be that 10 sack a year type guy I mean there's a reason he was drafted in the first round I'm really going to be drafted higher than that if he didn't have some little off the field things kind of pop up right before the draft started right Mike to where I think he was viewed by most teams as a top 10 top 15 pick yeah, and, and look, it just didn't work for him in Denver, but that doesn't mean it won't work somewhere else. And sometimes being pushed out of the team that drafted you is the thing that, that can give you that motivation yep. to find that higher level of performance. Sometimes it takes a few years to get there. All right, it's been more than a few years since the Dolphins wore the uniforms that have the the helmet with the actual dolphin with the helmet on top it's kind of a weird thing like you've got a helmet and you've got a dolphin you've got a helmet on the helmet on your helmet but that was the iconic dolphins logo and the iconic dolphins uniform and this year the throwback will be the white jersey of like the old school early 70s broncos or broncos dolphins they got broncos on the brain they put the photo out over the weekend it is phenomenal and i look 
why do these teams have throwbacks and alternate uniforms that are better than the uniforms they have? And the Dolphins are so much better than the regular uniforms. I don't get – and the near unanimous. You can't get anyone to be unanimous in this day and age. But, I mean, 99% of the reaction – why do the Dolphins not wear these things all the time? Those are the classic Dolphins uniforms, and it would be a great message to re-embrace that because, really, they haven't done anything in these new uniforms. They've been horrible in these new uniforms. Get rid of those. Go back to the old ones, Chris. Yeah, no no Super Bowls in these new uniforms, certainly, but you know, a, a few of them in the 70s with the uniforms uh, that they're going to wear back as far as throwbacks. Yeah, you're right, Mike. I mean, they're one of the teams I look at in football every year and go – you know, or you know, when they do wear their throwbacks, I go, oh, I like their throwback better than their regular uniform. You know, something about the stripes on the jersey, right on the shoulders, that's phenomenal. I like the gray face mask that goes with it. You're right. I love the dolphin having the helmet on. Uh, the dolphin I'm talking about on the helmet, who's got a helmet. But yeah, I'm with you. There's there's certainly one that jumps out to me. Hey, you're Minnesota Vikings. I look back at their throwbacks every year and always go, I like those better than. Their, than their normal uniforms as well. There's a few out there, but the Dolphins are, are probably at the top of that list. You know, it's funny. In 2006, I interviewed Matt Burke, and I joked that, that they should have actual horns on the Viking helmet. And that same year, that's when they, like, changed it to make it look like, make it more obvious it was a horn. They put, like, little 3D things in. I like the old the old horn. I like the old helmet. I don't like the mat. I think the mat was trendy, and the trend is over. I, I'd love to see the Vikings go back. To the, to the uniform they wore in the 70s and the 80s. I would even take the one that they switched to like in the 90s where they put the numbers up on top of the, the shoulders, but the, the purple and, and gold uh, stripes up yes. over the shoulder pads. They were right. the only ones who did that. They should go back to that, but they, you know, they never asked me. All right, uh, one last thing. Yeah. Because on this point, the Dolphins are wearing the white uniform because they're wearing the throwbacks for their week two home game against the Patriots. There and the whole go. idea is it's going to be sunny. It's going to be hot. So put right. the Patriots in blue. Right. Is, is that a thing? I mean, does it make you like incredibly uncomfortable on a hot, sunny day when you're wearing a dark jersey? It's no, it's not. It's not incredibly comfortable. It do, It is hotter. There's no question about that. Anybody that's, you know, played football and full pads and done any of that in training camp, you know, the, the team that has to wear the darker jersey, yeah, they're a little bit of a disadvantage. You know, it, when I was playing in my career in Tampa, especially, we, you know, the offense, we wanted to be the team that wore uh, the white jerseys. So the defense had to wear the red. And of course, red's not horrible in the sun. But yes, a very real thing. When I was playing in Tampa in September games early on, we would wear the all white uniforms too. So other teams that were coming down and weren't used to that Florida heat, they had to wear their dark jersey and just melt just a little bit more, just part of the psychoanalysis and, you know, psychosis that goes on in, in NFL football. All right, uh, Ted Ginn with the psychoanalysis of his 40-yard oh. dash or however long it's going to – I don't know how long it's going to be. He said it's going to be pole to pole. This came out last week with your former partner at uh, Bleacher Report, Adam right. Lefko. Right. He'll race anybody pole to pole for $10,000. I don't know what that means. Is that goalpost to goalpost? I don't know. But he put the offer out there. We wrote about it, and – Matthew Bowling, a high school sprinter from Texas who is regarded as being uh, you know, one of the fastest young yeah. humans in the entire world, took him up on it. Now, I don't think they can do it. I don't think he can bet. You know, there's a lot of reasons why a high school athlete can't do this, especially if he aspires to, to run at the next level. But I'd love to see something. I'd love to see somebody who makes like that idle threat that doesn't really – 
doesn't really put a lot of juice behind. It isn't really serious about it. I'd love to see somebody take him up on it and see if he can do it. Oh, I, it would be awesome. And it would, would be really awesome about this. I've watched this kid from Texas, okay? I've watched a few of his races. Ted can't beat him. So, uh, you know, yeah, the kid's not going to be able to accept $10,000 because he's going on a full scholarship to the University of Georgia to run track there. But he he is uh, the record holder as far as national 100-meter times right now, I believe. Maybe I'm a little off on that. But either way, I know he's the fastest high school sprinter in America at this point, and I don't think Ted Gidd can mess with him. This guy's running. He ran a 999. It was wind-aided, but ran 999 as a high schooler a few weeks ago. That's like insane. That's when you're starting to get into like Olympic 100-meter track type speed. There's a clip out there that I watched over the weekend of a 4x400 relay event. And when he got the anchor baton and took off, he was three seconds behind the person who was leading. And he caught the guy and beat the guy going away. And that three seconds is a lifetime on a 400-meter race. He he was just phenomenal. He ran it in like 44 seconds or something like that. Just incredible uh, to see that speed and to sustain it. So that's the thing. If it's a 400, Ted Ginn's done. No. Uh, The shorter the distance, the better for Ginn. Exactly. I don't know what pole-to-pole means. I'm guessing you're right. Like 100 meters, something like that. Goalpost to goalpost. Maybe that's what he meant. I'm hoping that's what he meant. Well, I, I would. I hope that they do it. I have a feeling they won't, uh, and uh, unfortunately. And I think there's plenty of guys out there that could beat Ted Ginn. Now, he's 34. You know, yes. he's getting to that age where right. he knows he's soon not going to be physically the guy that he's always been, and that's got to be a tough pill to swallow. And for him, that speed's going to go. Unless you're Daryl Green, that speed's going to go at some point. All right, we got to go. One, one last one before we go. Any names that you had from our draft that, that didn't make it you, that you feel strongly about? Because there were a few that ended up on the cutting room floor here. Yeah, uh, Jim Brown was one that I thought about just because of, like, all the things he's done for society. Of course, the acting and the movies he was involved in in the 70s, that jumped out to me. Joe Montana was one just because, you know, the, the com- some of the commercials and other businesses he's gotten involved Sketchers. in. Sketchers. Those were two. Those were two that jumped out to me. Papa John's. And there's there's a, even more down the line uh, as far as some of his business ventures. Yes. Why? Who else did you I- have? Well, it's funny you mentioned Jim Brown because we did the Dirty Dozen today, and he actually left football to star in the Dirty Dozen. Right. So uh, I guess there's a tie in there. I should have thought of Jim Brown. Uh, Jack Kemp, who was a quarterback of the Buffalo Bills and ultimately a politician Politician. and ran for president, ran for president at one point unsuccessfully. And, And, you know, we had something like this at some point in the past few months, and I went with Byron Wizard White, who was a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, and Big Cat was on that day, and he was very, very dismissive and and basically did the snoring on air thing that I did with your Roger Staubach. But in hindsight, you know what? It's pretty memorable that for a guy to make it to the U.S. Supreme Court, Alan Page Yeah, I thought about Alan Page, too. He's been on the Minnesota Supreme Court, but the U.S. Supreme Court, that is a rare, rare feat. And to go from football to that, a pretty big deal for for uh, Byron Wizard White, and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I maybe I should have done him instead of Carl Weathers. Although I still think Apollo. You know what? Walk down the street. More. I I hate to say this, but this is the country we live in. More people are going to know who Apollo Creed is. They're going to know who Byron Wizard White is. None of them is. are going to know Apollo Creed played football. Though that's the real point. That's the real point. That's why I won the draft. Those who have Google will know. That's <laughs> yes, how I found will. out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I I uh I. 
I, uh, I think I saw Carl Weathers at one point, and I was afraid to, like, go say anything to him. This is back in the 80s when he was, like, predator-shaped. Like, you know, big Rocky. What? He was in how many Rockies? He was in, he like, was in four. two Rockies. Oh, no, four. three. He, he was, was in four. four. You're right. He was in, he was in four. four. He got killed in four. Right. It was right around the time of four. And I thought I saw him, and it's like, man, that's – because I, I just think that for as good as Rocky was, he was the best actor in that yeah. in that movie. I get you. Know? you. I mean, yeah. the brash, he was great. It was just great. I, I just, I, I just, I remember, and, and there was, it was such a blurry line because I was 11, 12 years old. I mean, you know, it's a movie, but hell, I watched wrestling back nah, then. So a great movie. if it's fake too, you still like it. And there was just something about it that was so compelling. And I remember being so anxious to go see Rocky too. And again, the younger kids out there may not get it, but Apollo Creed, Carl Weathers, big deal. And uh, I kicked your ass so bad. In the oh, you're so I'm going to have a good day. It's going to be a very good day. All right. And we hope everybody out there has a good day. When's the next Chris Sims Unbuttoned? Well, we're doing it Tuesday. Tuesday, it'll be out. We're going to fil- we'll film and tape Tuesday. It'll be out Tuesday afternoon, early Tuesday evening. We'll check that out on Tuesday. We'll check you out tomorrow. Edition of PFT Live, 6 a.m. Eastern, all day long, ProFootballTalk.com. Everybody have a great Monday. Chris, see you tomorrow, buddy. See you, man. Be good. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.